Shalom, shalom, welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight, we are getting into some more scripture. We're getting into 2 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles chapter 29 through 31, Psalm 48, and also Hosea chapters 1 and 2. Another awesome night with some awesome uh, scripture and lessons to be learned. I can't wait to get into this. This is awesome. So welcome, everyone. Let's do this. Second Kings chapter 18, verses Second Chronicles chapter 29. All right. On the left-hand side, for those of you who are on YouTube, we have Second Kings 18 on the left-hand side and Second Chronicles 29 on the right-hand side. Again, for those of you who are on other platforms, uh, I am sharing my screen right now on YouTube. If you're, if you uh, would like to see what I'm reading, you can go over there and see it. If not, well, it's up to you. Second Kings eighteen verse one. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Anna, or Allah, excuse me, Allah, is not a good. That's a one. That's a, that name there is. Uh, very close to God, isn't it? King of Israel. And Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, or Hizkiahu would be his Hebrew name, son of Ahaz, uh, king of Judah, begin to re- began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi. Abi, the daughter of Zechariah, or Zechariah who? And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Second Chronicles 29 says pretty much the same thing. Verse 1, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abiyah. So it's different. We go from Abi to Abiyah, okay? Abi uh, means father. It's a weird name for a mother. <laughs> His mother's name was father. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. It makes more sense. It was probably Abiyah, which is like Yah or, you know, Yahuwah or Yahweh is my father is what that means. That makes more sense for his mother's name to be that as opposed to just Ab. Abi, like that. Verse 2 of 2 Chronicles 29, excuse me. Uh, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord in accordance with everything that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in priests and Levites and gathered them into the public square on the east. So let me just go over here to 2 Kings 18, verse 4. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars down and the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Okay, so so according to this, this artifact would not be around anymore. Um, This relic would not be around anymore. For it says here, for unto those days the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nahushtan. Nahushtan. Nahash means serpent. Nahushtan, a bronze thing. 
similar to Nahash, serpent, yes. And this is why I believe, this is why um, God does not show up in an as in any form whatsoever. You know, we read this actually before in the in the Torah, right? God doesn't show him God the form his form is not is not clearly seen. Because if you saw God's form, you'd make an image of it and worship it. This is another reason why I believe that God himself I'm talking about directly did not write any scripture. He did not write any the Bible. He did not write any book. When Jesus came, he did not. He wasn't an author like uh, like Isaiah was or like Jeremiah was. And I believe the re, he, I think it was by design. I think it was because he knew God knew that if Yeshua wrote a book, it would be worshipped. Bibliolatry. We don't want any form of bibliolatry, okay? We don't want to be uh, worshiping or idolizing a book. And I also believe that's the reason why God ordained it to be so many differences in manuscripts. We have, you know, we have the Septuagint. You know, we have... um, the Masoretic, we have the Samaritan, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in many places, they all say different things. In most places, it's not like contradictory, although some places it is contradictory. Other places is more kind of complementary. Uh, however, there are major differences. Not always major contradictions, but major differences between the manuscripts. And I believe that is by design as well. I think that God ordained it to be, be, be it like that. God ordained it to be thus because he knew that if there was one manuscript or one Bible or one book that is proven to be perfect, it would be worshiped and God doesn't want it to be worshiped. He is not a God of bibliolatry. He is not a God of idolatry he doesn't want us to be i he doesn't want us to worship anything but him and it makes it fun too eh? i mean as you know to get into the scholarly world and to think scholarly and to do some scholarly research on manuscripts and all that it's fun it's fun it's like in um uh what do you call that like a um forensic investigator you know it's 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 fun to track down these different discrepancies and the different errors that are found in in the different things that the scribes have done that have you know, again uh, think about uh, Jeremiah chapter eight verse eight right the lying pen of the scribes. I mean Jesus Yeshua didn't say much in favor of the scribes, did he? And these are the people that actually wrote the Bible. Uh, so it's all by design, I believe. So continuing with Second Kings chapter 18, verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments 
which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of the of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh, seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up in Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, in the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria, was taken. Then the king of Assyria cried, uh, carried, excuse me, carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Hala and by Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant in all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. And they would neither hear nor do them. And in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars of uh, which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Then the king of Assyria sent to Tartan, Tartan, here is uh, a title, probably commander-in-chief. The Rabsaris, Rabsaris, uh, title, probably chief officer. And the Rabsheka, meaning chief, chief of staff or governor, from Lachish with the with uh, from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to King Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the threshold, Shebna, the scribe, and Yoah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look. You were trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which a man leans, if he, uh, excuse me, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So 
is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, the son of Helkiah, Shebna, and Yoah said to Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and called out, with a loud voice in Hebrew, and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the Lord. Excuse me. Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. For let, or excuse me, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, this city, shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the Assyria, make peace with me by a pre- by a present and by a present, let me see in the in the footnotes, by paying tribute, and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us, as any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria, were all or were where are the gods of Hamat and Arpad? Where are the gods of Shepharvaim and and uh, Hena and Eva? Indeed, they have delivered Samaria. Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord should deliver. Uh, Jerusalem from my hand. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. For the, ki- for the king's commandment w- was, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Halkiah, who was over the threat, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Yoah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told 
him with the word, told him the words of Rabshakeh. Okay, so let's go over here to first or second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. In the first year of his reign, this was Hezekiah. Um, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in priests and Levites and gathered them into the public square on the east. Then he said to them, listen to me, you Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry the uncleanness out of the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and they have abandoned him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and have turned their backs. They have also shut the doors of the porch and extinguished the lamps. They have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place of the God, or to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was against Judah and Jerusalem, and he was made, and excuse me, and he has made them an object of terror, of horror, and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity because of this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, so that his burning anger may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and to be his ministers and burn incense. Then the Levites arose, Mahath the son of Amasai and Yoel the son of Azariah, from the sons of the Kohathites and from the sons of Merari, Kish the son of Abdi and Azariah the son of Yahalalau, and from the Gershonites, Yoan the son of Zima, and Aden the son of Yoah, from the sons of Eli, uh, Elizaphon, Shimri, the son of Yeyel, and from the sons of Asaph, Zachariahu, Zechariah, and Matan, Mataniah, and from the sons of Haman, Yael, and Shimai, and from the sons of Yeduthun, Shemaiah, and Uziel. They assembled their brothers, consecrate themselves, and went in to to cleanse the house of the Lord according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord. So the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought every unclean thing which they found in the temple of the Lord out of the courtyard of the house of the Lord. Then the Levites received it to carry out to the Kidron Valley. Now they began the consecration on the first day of the first month. On the eighth day of the month, they entered the porch of the Lord. Then they consecrated the house of the Lord in eight days and finished on the 16th day of the first month. Then they went in to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed the, ho the whole house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the table of the showbread, with all its utensils. Moreover, all the utensils which King Ahaz 
had discarded during his reign is in his unfaithfulness. Excuse me. All the utensils which King Ahaz had discarded during his reign in his unfaithfulness, we have prepared and consecrated. Behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. Hezekiah restores temple worship. Then King Hezekiah got up early and assembled the princes of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, the sanctuary, and Judah. And he ordered the priests, the sons of Aaron, to order them on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priests took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. They also slaughtered the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They slaughtered the lambs as well and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Then they brought the male goats of the sin offering before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priests slaughtered them and purified the altar with their blood to atone for all Israel, because the king ordered the burnt offering and the sin offering for all Israel. Then he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet, for the command was from the Lord through his prophets. The Levites stood with the musical instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. Then the burnt offering began, excuse me, when the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord also began with the trumpets, accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. While the whole assembly worshipped, the, uh, the singers also sang and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now at the completion of the burnt offerings, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worshipped. Then Hezekiah said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, Come forward and bring sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings to the house of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings, and everyone who was willing brought burnt offerings. The number of the burnt offerings which the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 lambs. All of these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. The consecrated offerings were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. But the priests were too few, so that they were unable to skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore, their brothers, the Levites, helped helped them until the work was finished and the other priests had consecrated themselves. For the Levites were more uh, conscientious to consecrate themselves than the priests. Uh, conscientious, let me see here. It would be upright of heart? No. So that would be, yeah. Upright, upright of heart. Verse 35. There were also many burnt offerings with the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for the burnt offerings. So the service of the house of the Lord was established again. 
Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 1. Now Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and, and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month since they could not celebrate it at that time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient numbers, nor had the people uh, been gathered to Jerusalem. So the decision was right in the sight of the king and all the assembly. So they established a decree to circulate a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan that they are to come to celebrate the Passover of the Lord God of Israel in Jerusalem, for they had not celebrated it, celebrated it in great numbers as was written. The couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with the letters from the hand of the king and his princes, even according to the command of the king, saying, Sons of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to those of you who escaped and are left from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were untrue to the Lord God of their fathers, so that he made them an object of horror, just as you see. Now, do not stiffen your neck like your fathers, but yield to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. And serve the Lord your God, that his burning anger may be away or may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your sons will find compassion in the presence of those who led them captive and, and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate and will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. So the couriers passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, or Manasseh and, and as far as Zebulun. But they laughed at them with scorn and mocked them. Nevertheless, some men of Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. The hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes excuse me, commanded by the word of the Lord. Verse 13. Now many people were gathered at Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month, a very large assembly. They got up and removed the altars which were in Jerusalem. They also removed all the incense altars and threw them into the brook Kidron. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th of the second month. And the Priests and Levites were ashamed of themselves and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood at their, their stations following their custom, according to the law of Moses, the, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood 
which they received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites were in charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was unclean and in order to consecrate them to the Lord. For a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun, had not purified themselves. Yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. For Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May may the good Lord pardon everyone who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though not according to the purification rules of the sanctuary. So the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. The sons of Israel present in Jerusalem celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days with great joy, and the Levites and the priests were praising the Lord day after day with loud instruments to the Lord. Then Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good insight into the things of the Lord. So they ate for the appointed seven days, sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly decided to celebrate the feast another seven days, so they celebrated seven days with joy. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, had contributed to the assembly a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep, and the princes had contributed to the assembly a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep, and a large number of priests consecrated themselves. All the assembly of Judah rejoiced with the priests and the Levites and all the assembly that came from Israel, both the strangers who came from the land of Israel and those living in Judah. So there was great joy in Jerusalem because there was nothing like this in Jerusalem since the days of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Then the Levitical priests stood and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy dwelling place to heaven. Okay, so I'm going to read Psalm and uh, a couple chapters from Hosea, then I'll get to your questions again. Psalm 48, the beauty and glory of Zion. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth in Mount Zion in the far north, the the city of the great king. In its palaces, God has made himself known as a stronghold. For behold, the kings arrived, they passed by together. They saw it, then they were amazed. They were terrified. They fled in a hurry. Panic seized them there. Anguish as of a woman in childbirth. With the east wind, you smash the ships of Tarshish. Just as we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of armies, in the city of our God. God will establish her forever. Selah. We have thought over your goodness, God, in the midst of your temple. As in your name, God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Mount Zion shall be glad. 
The daughters of Zion shall rejoice because of your judgments. Walk around Zion and encircle her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces so that you may tell of her to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will lead us until death. Wow. All right. So let's go to Hosea. Now, this is something very interesting, very interesting uh, bit here. Uh, So we'll see this in Hosea chapter one, verse one. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1, the, the word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Barry, during the days of Uzziah, Yotham, Ahaz, and Kizkiahu, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take for yourself a wife inclined to infidelity and the children of infidelity, for the land commits flagrant infidelity, abandoning abandoning the Lord. Okay, so in the footnotes, literally of infidelity or fornication. Um, so uh, before we get, let me just, I should compare here because Hosea chapter 1 verse 2 says different things in different uh, Bibles. So Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, go take unto the uh, wife of whoredoms, a wife of harlotry, okay? Go marry a prostitute in NLT, go marry a promiscuous woman. Okay, so... um, this is very interesting. Actually, this is something that was pointed out to me 25 years ago. So, this is against the Torah. Okay? To to go marry a, a promiscuous woman or a woman that is a woman of promiscuity um, a harlot, okay? That's against the Torah. So um, this is a very, very interesting passage because you do have the odd time. Now, we should never make this a rule. Of course, never make this a rule. However, it is kind of shocking in a sense that it is against the Torah. Um. We do have the odd time when God does this kind of thing, okay? It should never be made a rule. It should it should, it, it should be like the exception of the exception kind of thing. Now, because I know a lot of people could, could use this and probably have used this, Hosea 1 verse 2, to justify sin. Okay, say, oh, look at this. God told him to do that. So, therefore, it's okay if you do something like this too. Well, not so fast. Okay, 
Why? Because this is a very unusual circumstance. No other time in history did God ever tell anybody to do this. Okay. And it was for a reason. It was for a prophetic, it was, it was a prophetic fulfillment or it's like an, an, a prophetic action. And you we see this so often throughout the Tanakh where God wants you to do something that represents a spiritual, something in the spirit, something in the spiritual realm. And that's what the case is here with Hosea. God wanted Hosea to go and do this, although it was, at least on the surface, it was against the Torah. It was against his law. Um, for a purpose uh, to be a sign unto the people of what the children of Israel are actually doing. It's almost like, oh, it's almost like God telling um, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 20, go without any clothes, not even a shoot, nothing, not a, not a stitch on you for three years. Now you, you can't <laughs> like that kind of thing. Okay. So it's, it's almost like the same kind of principle here where it's like, God tells you to do something that's, Certainly against what you read in other parts of scripture. Um, but it has a very, it, it's almost like for a shock factor, if you know what I mean. It's like God used it as a, it, it was God's shock and awe. God used Hosea, told Hosea to do this, just like he, how he told Isaiah to go without any clothes on for three years going to the market with nothing on, um, for a purpose. To make a point, now, I'm not saying that anybody should do that. Don't get me wrong, I'm, you know, don't do that. But my point is this, is that we have sometimes in the scriptures where God does these kind of things. So he he... He puts more weight on the lessons to be learned from this situation than he puts on the actual situation itself. Like, for example, he puts more weight. God puts more. The lessons that people learn from Isaiah walking around without a stitch on for three years in God's sight is overrides any other part of the Torah that would be against Isaiah doing that. The lessons that the children of Israel would learn through Hosea doing what he just did here is of greater weight, outweighs the seemingly violations of the ways of God here. So in the end, really, what it all comes down to is this. Is it always comes down to this. It comes down to God will go out of his way to get people to repent. He will go out of his way to get people's attention, to get them to turn from their sins, to get them to turn from their complacent lifestyles, from their uh, apathy, okay, and, and, and go back and turn back to him and, and to obey him. So this is the this is the th the uh, the principle, the concept that I was spoken, uh, excuse me, that I was speaking about earlier.
Okay. This is the concept that, you know, like I told you, it was like 25 years ago, this was brought to my attention. And ever since in the the low, these 25 years, I never forgot that. Never forgot that. Where it's like, sometimes God does this kind of thing for a greater reason, for a reason that would bring about a greater, talk about fruit, bring greater fruit in the long run. In Isaiah's, in Isaiah's uh, case, it would be at least three years, okay? At least three years of patience and suffering through Isaiah's nakedness, <laughs> public nakedness for three years. Again, you think three minutes would be something or three hours, but three years. Okay. So, very interesting concept we got going on here. Again, verse two, when the Lord's when the Lord first spoke through Isaiah, it's the first thing that God, according to this, the first thing that God said to Hosea. Now, can you imagine Hosea? I'd be like, Lord, is this you? You telling me to do this? Could it be true? And so again, when God see a lot of people in the in the Christian world today, they Every, again, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody's right in their own eyes. In the same way, in the Christian world, everybody believes they're going by the Holy Spirit, okay? Everybody believes they're going by the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I just go by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit witnesses to me. The Holy Spirit shows me things. The Holy Spirit, you know, showed, you know shows me. In order for someone to actually go by what they believe if God is speaking to them or leading them or prompting them to do something or whatever the case is, they really need to have a very, very solid foundation in the Tanakh. They need to know this. Hosea, apparently he had a very good foundation. He really knew his stuff. He really knew the ways of God. He really trusted God in order to do what he did here, okay? We really need to know, not just on the surface, we really need to study, we really need to get educated when it comes to the scriptures, the ways of God, how God works, before we can really do some good discerning and be able to discern the voice of God Again, if some if if God says something like this is to a Christian today, or something of this con, of this magnitude of doing something that seems to be against what the Word of God says, uh, a lot of Christians would rebuke it, right? A lot of Christians would rebuke it and say it's not God because it goes against the Word of God. But they don't understand the greatest thing of the Word of God is repentance. Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. So he went out and took Gomer, Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Yezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Yehu for the bloodshed of Yezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Yezreel. Verse 6. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo 
Rahuma. Rahama, excuse me, Ruhama. No, uh, Ruhama means literally not having obtained mercy. For I will no longer take pity on the house of Israel, that I will ever forgive them. But I will take pity on the house of Judah and save them by the Lord their God. And will not save them by bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. When she had weaned Lo Ruhama, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo Ami. Right? Not my people, right? Not my people. Not my people. Because you are not my people, and I am not your God. In the footnotes, I am not yours, literally yours. Verse 10. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together. And they will appoint for themselves one leader, and they will go up from the land, for the day of Yisrael will be great. Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. Say to to your brothers, Ami, and your sisters, Rahuma, that's my people and mercy, right? My people, she she has obtained compassion. Despite with your mother, excuse me, dispute with your mother, dispute, because she is not my wife and I am not her husband. But she must remove her infidelity from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and expose her as on the day she was born. And I will make, I will also make her like a wilderness Make her like desert land and put her to death with thirst. Also, I will take no pity on her children because they are children of infidelity. For their mother has committed prostitution, for she has conceived, excuse me, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread. And my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will obstruct her, I will obstruct her way with thorns, and I will build a stone wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths. And she will she will pursue her lovers, but she will not reach them. And she will seek them, but she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband because it was better for me then than now. Yet she does not know that it was I myself who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, and lavished her, lavished on her silver and gold, which they use for Baal. Therefore, I will take back my grain at harvest time and my new wine in its season 
I will also take away my wool and my flax that I gave to cover her nakedness. So now I will uncover her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. And no one will rescue her from my hand. I will also put an end to all her joy, her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her festivals. And I will destroy her vines and fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages for prostitution, which my lovers have given me. And I will turn them into a forest, and the animals of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the Baals when she used to to offer sacrifices to them and adorn herself with her nose ring and jewelry and follow her lovers so that she she forgot me, uh, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I am going to persuade her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Akor as a door of hope. Valley of Akor, literally valley of trouble as a valley of hope. And she will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she went up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about on that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me my husband, and no longer call me my Baal, my husband, Ishi, that's literally my man, and no longer call me my Baal, Lord. Also the meaning of husband in Hebrew, besides a name of false gods. It also means Lord, too. Verse 17. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will no longer be mentioned by their names. On that day, I will also make a covenant for for them with the fields, or excuse me, with the animals of the field, the birds of the sky, and the crawling things of the ground. And I will eliminate the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and will let them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in favor and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. And it will come about on that day that I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain to the new wine, to the oil, and they will respond to Yisrael. In the footnotes, Yisrael, God sows. And I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will also have compassion on her who who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Amen, amen. So that concludes our reading of Scripture. Someone on TikTok says, why do you quote Paul? Why should I not quote Paul? Can you answer my question? Why should I not quote Paul? Tammy asked a question. So 
Passover in earlier times was the first month, 14th day. And in Isaiah, it changed to the second month, 14th day. You know, actually, it's it's in the Torah, I believe, where, um, let me think now, where is that? It, it, it does say that for those who cannot, um, if for one reason or another, you cannot attend the first one, it's okay to, to, to celebrate, you know, Passover and on a different day, a different month. Uh, so, um, that's really where that comes from. Numbers, Numbers chapter nine, verses six and seven. I'll get to you in a moment over there. Uh, heretic busters. I'll get to you in just a moment. Just, just a moment. Numbers chapter nine, <clears throat> verses six and seven. But there were some men who were unclean because, okay, let me just go to verse 5. And they celebrated the Passover Passover in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai in accordance with everything the Lord commanded Moses. So the sons of Israel did. But there were some men who were unclean because of contact with a dead person so that they could not celebrate Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. Those men said to them, though we are unclean because of, of a dead person, why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at, at its appointed time among the sons of Israel? Moses then said to them, wait, and I will listen to what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say, if any one of you or of your generations becomes unclean because of a dead person or is, or, or is on a distant journey. Or may, however, excuse me, he may, however, celebrate the Passover to the Lord in the second month on the 14th day. So there it is right there. Okay, so um, this is just beautiful because this goes to show the heart of God through the law of God. And that is, you know, he's not this strict, you know, like um, machine up there that's, you know, you have to do it just right. And if you miss for like, he's not an unreasonable tyrant. He's God is willing to make exceptions, like we were talking about earlier, right? And actually, very good question, Tammy, because that just fits right in with this whole thing with Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. Yeah, so thank you very much, Tammy, for the question. Heretic Buster says, because you claim all his teachings should not be in Scripture. I have never said that. I have never said that, Heretic Busters. This is the problem. See, people... Don't understand. It's like it's like false. Di- it's it's um, what do you call it? The false dichotomy fallacy, right? It's like they don't understand. They think that it's it's either got to be extreme one way or extreme the other way. That's not the way it is. It's not the way it is. I mean, if you're extreme one way and you and you and you you're good with God, I mean, you you obey all the instructions of God. You're on you're on track with His instructions. That's I'm not going to be complaining about it. If you're extreme the other way and you're you're on track, I mean, you know, you're doing all you should be doing. You're you're following the instructions of God. I'm not going to complain, but I'm just saying. I myself, I have never said that. Heretic busters, never said that. And of course, we got a question like this. So you believe the Pauline uh, gospel should be in the New Testament? The the Bible, okay, so now you're bringing it to a totally different topic. Now we're talking about Bible canon. 
Bible canon is not of God. Okay. Bible canon is not, is not of God. Okay. Uh, so it was the, it was the son of Satan, Marcion, who said, okay, let's take the Pauline epistles and put it in the, in the new Testament. Now, again, I know what I'm talking like this. A lot of people, they don't know Capetia. I understand what I'm talking about. And so then they think that I'm no, well, I said that all of Paul's, uh, you know, letters should be thrown out. No, I didn't say that at all. Did not say that at all. In Heretic Busters, if you actually spend a little bit of time listening to my live streams, I, we have spent thousands of hours on live streams, okay? If you spend a little bit of time listening uh, to the live streams, to the videos that I've done, especially over on YouTube, I've got lots of content on YouTube. I've been doing it for over 10 years, uh, going on 12 years, okay? And so I have spent a lot of time and almost almost every video i i quote paul i quote paul almost every video it says marcion was was dead 20 years prior to the earliest canon you, you whoever told you that they're lying to you i'm telling you that much okay i mean uh church history and uh it's very, very clear in, in church history that Marcion is the one that started it. The son of Satan is the one that started it, okay? Very, very clear in Scripture. Marcion started it with, with Paul and, of course, Luke, because Luke is Paul's homie. So he took Luke and he took Paul, put it together, called it the New Testament and everything else, the Old Testament. And the rest is history, okay? Um, I did a whole video on that before and i don't want to go through that whole thing again i did a whole video of that quoting all the sources the historical sources and all that kind of thing so again uh read it i read read marcy and what, what marcy has to say himself he says he died a heretic oh yeah he died a heretic he was a heretic was he not a heretic his whole entire life <laughs> or a good part of it anyway for sure yeah yeah, Jason. Well, yeah, Jason mentions that uh, it's good to prepare for a second Passover for brothers and sisters that couldn't keep it in the first month of Abib. Yeah. See this again, like things like this, right? Numbers chapter nine, Deuteronomy chapter fourteen, talking about the offerings and the animal sacrifices and the tithes and stuff. It just goes to show God's heart in it all. Like a lot of like most Christians, they don't understand that. They think that God is like some machine, like a computer. Like if you don't completely add up, then you're done. That's not the way it is. That's not the way uh, it says at all. Uh, as we read in Numbers chapter nine, God made a he made he made he made room for people who couldn't be there. It says even if you're just too far away, you're too far away. Ah, it's fine. Do it next month, second month, fourteenth day of the second month. God is not like, like that. Heretic Buster says, so a heretic had power to influence the biblical canon. 100, 100% absolutely right. 100%. You hit it right on the nose. Why? Because biblical canon is not biblical. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear the truth, heretic uh, Buster's? There you go. Take that truth and run with it because it is one of the most powerful and it's one of the, it's a fact. It's one of the most powerful truths you could ever run with. Go find the heretics that say, that think 
that the biblical canon is actually of God. It's not. Okay? It's of man. It's of man. 100%. It's of man. Where do you find that information? What do you mean? Okay. So can you can you be more specific than that? Like, uh, are you talking about... Um, are you talking about the information that biblical canon is not of God? Is that is that what you're talking about? Is that is that your question? I'm telling you, heretic busters. Uh, oh, hey, brother, how's it going? I'm telling you, heretic busters, if you can understand that, if you can get that, I mean, if you get that, I'm telling you, you're, you'll be flying. You'll be going. Okay, so the uh, heretic buster says, yes. How did you come to that conclusion? Well, it's actually very, very simple. Where in the Bible did God ever tell anybody to compile a Bible? Where? Could you please tell me? Give me a scripture. Genesis, uh, it doesn't matter where it is, you know, from, from Genesis to Revelation. Where did God ever say, hey, hey, Isaiah, hey, prophet, hey, apostle, Hey, believer. Hey, priest. I'm going to sit you down here and I'm going to you know, get your Sharpie up because you need to write down a list of 66 books because I'm going to give you a list of 66 books and you're going to compile it all together in one book and you're going to call it the Holy Bible. Wrong. The Holy Bible is a compilation of scriptures. Okay. It's a compilation. The compilation, biblical canon, is not of God. The Bible is not biblical. If you if you ever heard the truth tonight, there's the truth. You want to go bust some heresy? Go bust that, okay? Because it's true. People who people who think that the that the Bible is actually that was dictated that somehow God dictated sixty six books and said to somebody, you know, here's a list of sixty six books. God never, not even through Paul, not even through Paul did God ever say, oh, here, Paul. Sit down with your quill there, Mr. Paul, okay? And get out your parchments, the, you know, the parchments you left at Car Carpus, you know, the one that uh, you talked to Second Timothy, or you talked to Timothy about in your second letter to Timothy. Get out those parchments, get your little, get your little um, quill out, okay? And, I'll, and sit down, and I'm going to give you a list of 66 books, and I want you to put, put it all together and compile it into one book called the Bible. See, w that is not true. Even in the worst of situations, nobody ever claimed that God ever dictated that to them. Even heretics didn't claim that. Perhaps Marcion did. Perhaps Marcion did. Okay. But you know, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Nope. What you need to understand is this. Um, according to the Bible, according to the scriptures, the Torah is on, on a completely different level than the prophets. And the prophets are on a completely different level than the Ketavim. They should be viewed as such. They should be kept in different places as such. Luke chapter 4, excuse me, Luke chapter 4 makes it very clear. Jesus Oh, excuse me. Jesus, when he was in the synagogue, as his custom was to go to the synagogue, okay, he was in the synagogue, and it says they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. It was kept separately. Each book was kept separately like that. 
In 2 Timothy 3.16, when Paul told Timothy, his brother, in a personal private letter to Timothy, uh, uh, just so you know, Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable. Yes, yada, yada, yada. Of course, Paul was certainly not talking about his own letters. That would have been considered to be blasphemy or talking about heresy back in those days. He was talking about what was considered to be scripture back in those days. Okay. What was considered to be scripture? Certainly wasn't. The New Testament didn't exist back in those days. It wasn't considered to be scripture in those days. Paul's letters were, were not considered to be scripture until much, 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 much later. Okay. Uh, what was considered to be scripture? The Tanakh was considered to be scripture. So yeah, Paul sat down, wrote to Timothy, said, hey, you know, the Tanakh, the the, the Torah, the, the Nevi'im, the, the Ketavim, you know, uh, the, uh, the law and the prophets and the scripture, they're, they're the ones that, you know, it's the Torah, it's the law, it's the, it's the Ketavim that dictates what's righteous to you. It, it's profitable for righteousness. Okay, it's it's inspired of God. Amen. Hundred percent. Heretic Busters says Habakkuk two two, and the Lord answered me, write a vision, and make it plain on tablets. Yeah. What, what what does that have to do with what we're saying? It has nothing to do with what we're saying. Absolutely nothing. What again? I don't, I don't understand. Do you think that I'm trying to say that the, that the Word of God is not in the Bible? The Word of God, there's a lot of the Word of God in the Bible. Everywhere where it says that, the Lord said to me, or the Lord answered me, or thus saith the Lord, quote and unquote. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. I don't know of any other book that has more of the Word of God in it than, than the Bible has in it, okay? Except if you, if you take the Bible apart the way it should be, okay? It should be disassembled. Perhaps you could say the Torah has more of the word of God than Esther does, or that, you know, that First um, um, Chronicles does, or something like that, okay? But other than that, no. Again, I think these people are completely misunderstanding what I'm saying. They can't wrap their minds around it. But it's very simple. It's very simple. The Bible is a library. I'm not, I'm not speaking against any of the books in the Bible. Don't get me wrong. Nothing like that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that Isaiah is not the word of God, or that when not when Moses said, "Thus saith the Lord," or when Moses said, "God spoke to me," that's not the word. Of, no, no, of course not. No, I believe all of that. All of that. I, I'm a hundred percent behind all of that. I even believe Paul when he said in First Corinthians seven twelve, "I don't. I, this I say, not the Lord." Paul made it very clear. This is. I'm not talking. It, it, I mean, it's it's not the Lord here. I, I'm saying this, not the Lord. Um. So I believe each book for what it says about itself. I believe each book for what it says about itself. And this is the problem. When you put everything together in one, in one book, it is very, very conducive to bibliolatry, to idolatry. There are so many Christians today. Heretic busters, you want to bust a real bad heresy? The heresy of bibliolatry. I, I, making an idol out of a Bible canon. That is something you should be busting for sure. Jesus, when he came, all, all these books were kept separately. Jesus never said, oh, hey, 
Sit down, Peter, James, John, and Bartholomew, and Philip, and Andrew. Sit down, all of you, 12 of you. I want you, I want to give you a list, okay? Take your pen out. Take your paper out. You sit down, and here we go. Let's start out with number one. We're going to 66 books right from number one. No. No. Why? Because Bible canon is not biblical. Bible canon is of man. Question for move says, but wasn't that him giving a command? That's why he said that it that it is him and not the Lord. So Paul wrote to the a few of the a few of the believers in Corinth to instruct them. Yes, so he was giving them instructions, and so that's why he didn't he didn't believe it was of the Lord. What he said, I mean, he didn't believe it was directly from God. So that's why he said, "I say this, not the Lord." Now again, don't under, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's wrong. Okay, again, see people don't they no compete, they don't get it. Just because I say it's not of God doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because I say you can write a book that is inerrant and it's not of God. There are many actually. There are many books out there that are inerrant. It's not of God. You go buy something from the store. It comes with an, uh, an instruction manual. It's probably inerrant. Is it of God? No. Nope. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not inspired. Right? So, so just because it's inspired doesn't mean it's perfect. And just because it's perfect doesn't mean it's inspired. We need to get this straight. I mean, it's uh, simple. It's actually pretty simple. But a lot of people don't understand it. They don't see that. Heretic Buster says, how do you know he did not say that? The Bible does not document everything done by Christ. You are assuming a lot. I think you are assuming a lot. People today, especially in the Christian world, I'm not saying every Christian. Some Christians are actually smart. Okay. They know. Okay. But a lot of Christians don't. They don't think. They, they don't use their God-given brains. Okay. That's one of the most important things that they say. This is the word of God. You know, the Bible, 66 books, no more, no less. This is the word of God. This is inspired. This is inerrant, all authoritative, yada, yada, yada. The whole, that's what they say, okay? As if it's, it's in, you know, and it is. It, it, it is the cornerstone of their, found, of their faith. The doctrine that their 66-book Bible is a closed canon not to be taken from, not to be added to, inerrant, all authoritative. That doctrine is the foundation of their faith. Without that doctrine, it all falls apart. So why wouldn't God, why wouldn't Jesus make it clear? It's not even muddy. It's not there at all. It's very simple. It's not there at all. If Jesus said any of that, if God ever said that, if anybody ever, if God ever said, here's a list of 66 books, whatever, um, it would be the first and foremost thing in the Bible. It would be the first thing. It would be like, everybody would be quoting this. Well, hey, go to this book, go to that chapter. This proves the Bible is biblical. It would be the, it, that, that's the foundation. But guess what? It's not there. It's not there. And you can say, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's a bad way to, to argue saying, well, uh, you know, the Bible does not document everything done by Christ. So therefore, you can say anything. You can say, well, you know, Jesus said not to make a Bible. I, I can argue that too. If you, if you want to use that argument, 
I can argue that in return. I can say, well, Jesus said not to. And you can say, well, how do you know Jesus said not to? Well, how do you know he didn't say not to? <laughs> you know, it's simple. It's really, really simple. Christians today, and this is the biggest heresy in, in the church today, I'm telling you. They make an idol out of it. They make an idol out of their unverified Bible canon. And don't go to Michael Kruger for answers. Talking about the Antichrist. I believe that just, just my own, if I if 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 I can if I can kind of add something to your uh your discussion there in the live chat. Um, if if the if the antichrist supposed if the antichrist supposed to come and declare himself to be Christ or the Messiah, then he must it must be somebody who is able to prove that they are the son of David from the tribe of Judah. Must be, otherwise. It's not going to be the false Christ. It's going to be something that's totally different. In my mind, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. If the Antichrist is what most people believe he is, he's going to be, and that is a false Messiah or a false Christ, the Antichrist, then he must have some very good credentials to be the Messiah according to the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. So that'll be it for tonight, guys. Again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your fellowship and your questions and your comments. Hope this was a blessing to you. We said a lot. Uh, it is, uh, we said a lot tonight, didn't we? When we got into a lot of different, uh, very interesting topics and reading scripture or something like every night we read some scripture that's very, very prominent, very important uh, stuff that we should always remember. So those of you who are new, uh, wherever platform you're on, uh, if you are interested in joining again, by the grace of God, Lord willing, we're doing this every single day, every day. Okay. Sunday through Friday, six days a week at 7 p.m. Eastern at 7 p.m. New York time. Sunday through Friday, every day except for Saturday, we do 7 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, we do 2 p.m. Eastern, okay? Normally on the weekends, we save that for um, like special guests or other, other things like that. Um, like Lord willing, we, we spoke about s several different guests um, that, are, that we're looking at uh, possibly getting on, Lord willing. Okay, we got someone like Wade. We got someone like uh, Dr. Price. We got someone like um, uh, Rabbi, the Rabbi to come back again. Uh, so, uh, Lord willing, in due time, we'll do that. Okay, guys, looking forward to all that. And and many more, too. Many, 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 many more. Uh, I've... Uh, uh, there's some really interesting people out there and I think that it'd be a great blessing to you guys to, uh, to have them on. So I'm working on some other ones as well. So just say, so just say, so no. So, um, I just mentioned those names since we, we spoke about them earlier. Uh, and once again, guys, um, again, I don't get anything for this. I'm not, I really don't, I'm just sharing, uh, because I, we had Dr. Price on with us a few weeks ago, and uh, I got this book here, The Amazing Colossal Apostle, speaking about the Apostle Paul. It's a very beefy book, okay? Um, and he goes through 
it's very thorough. Like I haven't gone through this yet. So, but it's, it's very thorough. He goes through everything you can imagine. The Apocrypha about Paul, the Apocalypse and Acts of Paul, the the letter of Paul to the Laodiceans. Um, I think it's the Acts of the book of, uh, was it from Paul to Thelka or something like that too. Thecla, excuse me. Um, Simon Magus, the Clementine Homilies, uh, and every biblical book as well. I mean, as in uh, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, all those books, all of uh, Paul's books. Uh, and he goes through everything and and comments all the way through it. I know you can't really see that, but um, yeah, uh, it's just, it seems to be very thorough, very, very interesting. If you guys, uh, any of you guys saw that video uh, when Dr. Price was on a few weeks ago, uh, I know you know that uh, Dr. Price has some very, very, very interesting things to say about Paul. If you haven't seen that video, I really encourage you to go watch it. Go watch that video. Um, it's on my YouTube channel and it is, uh, it's called, uh, let me see now new, it's called new Testament scholar, Dr. Robert M price on the apostle Paul. That's what you'll find on my YouTube channel. If you go over there against uh, YouTube, it's Christopher Enoch on YouTube. Okay, guys, thanks again. You guys are awesome. I appreciate every one of you. Lord bless you. Blessings multiplied to you guys. Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. And much love and blessings multiplied back to you, brother. It's been awesome as always. Thank you. Um, Alex says, blessings, everyone. Thanks. Yes. Again, blessings multiplied to you as well, Alex. Um, Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. Many blessings to everyone. Shalom. Many blessings to you as well. Vinny, to you and yours. Great Deception says, hit the like. Yes, thank you very much for, uh, for, uh, for that, for reminding us, for reminding them. Um, yeah, if you like what we do, if you like, if you like uh, meeting together like this and um, reading the scriptures and, and, and fellowshipping like this, make sure you hit the like. Yabi the Glory says, connection has me in and out for me. Just got back to say goodbye. Shalom all. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Yabi the Glory. Shalom to you. Blessings. Question for move says shalom. Shalom. Okay, guys. Thanks again. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.